Welcome everyone to today's podcast. Um, Today we are going to be studying from the book of Philippians and we are going to be starting in chapter 2 verse 12. In my Bible it's entitled Lights in the World. So I'll start. So then my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm going to stop there and I'm just going to kind of expound on what I feel these particular verses are saying to us. So let me give you a bit of background first. Paul is imprisoned at the moment and he is speaking to the Philippians church. And we can tell that from, from you know, just his opening statement that where he, where he calls them dear friends, that these are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. These are people that love God. Okay, these are people that have been faithful to God. And Paul is calling to encourage them, okay, to continue to guide them in their relationship with, with Christ. And where he says, just as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. I just wanted to to just kind of elaborate on that particular verse because I think that is really relevant to our daily walk with Christ. You know, it reminds me of something that I was told once that as I as I read this it reminded me and it was a fellow sister in Christ was talking about an experience at her church where they had they would have a fast on a particular day and um when the pastor wasn't there, every one of them that was participating in the fast would order takeout food and eat it. And one day the pastor came and caught them. And, you know, she was expressing you know, how embarrassed they were. But I remember at the time, as I listened to her relay the story, my first thought was, so who were you really fasting for? Because even if the pastor's not there, God is watching you. God sees you the fact that you're not doing this fast, so was this unto man or was this unto God? And I say that not as a criticism, but I say that just as a self-evaluation for all of us. And, I, and and really what I believe Paul is saying to the Philippians is, you know, yeah, you've you've always obeyed. But the fact that you're doing it even when I'm not there tells me this is real to you. This is not, you're not doing this unto me. You're not doing this to please man. You're not doing this to look good to man. You're doing this because of your love for God, your love for Christ. And that's what really, I believe, really stands out and what we really need to grasp a hold on. God, I believe, is more concerned with how we, what we do in our personal life more than what we do in our public life. And we need to take that with us wherever we go and know that God is watching us. You know, no one else may see or hear what we may have thought or said or done, but God does. And if our heart is really to honour God, is to really to, to live a life that is pleasing to God, then we're going to repent when we do something wrong. We're going to sincerely repent, even if no one else is aware of it, even if no one else knows about it. And um, another example um, that I feel is relevant, that I've, I want to share, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that may have, have this example, is with the shopping carts. When you go to the supermarket and you have the shopping carts, very simple thing. 
But many years ago, I was one of those people that if it was raining or if I was in a hurry, I would sometimes leave the car and not in the shopping cart bay where they're all stored. And I would always justify it was, oh, I'm in a hurry. God knows, you know, God understands. I'm in a hurry, blah, 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 blah. As long as it's not near someone's car, it's okay. Everyone else is doing it. And isn't that so easy for us to get comfortable? Everyone else is doing it, so it's okay. And, you know, God really started to deal with my heart many years ago about this, that no, I don't care if everyone else is doing it. You are my child. You are representing me. You are not going to do it. And you are going to put that shopping cart back in the shopping bay and not just put it back, not just fling it there, but you are going to actually put it back neatly. And it, it was very specific about how I put it back. And God kind of showed me like... Just put your pla- yourself in the place of that person that comes and gathers those cards together. How much more do they appreciate the people that have taken just a few seconds to just place it back neatly, not just to throw it there and leave it there? You know, remember, these people work in all kinds of conditions. You know, whether it be the hot sun, whether it be the wind, the rain, they work in these conditions. Think of others. And, you know, it goes back to to the commandments that God says to love the Lord thy God with all our heart and to love each other, you know? And so as I read that, that not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, that's what I'm reminded of, the way we conduct ourselves at all times. And then it goes on to say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I've always loved and been fascinated by that particular verse, as I'm sure many others have. What does that mean? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, many people have their own understanding of it. So I'm just going to share what mine is. I really believe what God is telling us is salvation is personal. When we give our life to Christ, no one else can do that for us. You know, we may have come from a family of Christians, of generations of Christians, you know. But when it comes to salvation, sorry, I need to take a sip of water. It's personal and no one else can do it for us. That is a very personal decision. And once we give our life to Christ, then we have to basically walk out that life of salvation, meaning it's a daily second by second walk with God. I'm not one of those people that believe that once you confess, you know, once you give your life to Christ, you know, you, you've done that in 1988, but as of 1990, you were living like a heathen, that you're still, everything is okay, you're, you're fine, you know, you're going to go to heaven. I don't want to get into the theology of that, but I, I personally believe that, you know, this is a daily thing in terms of, yes, you give your life to Christ, but you should be living a life where you repent when you sin. And if you get into a place where you stop repenting when you sin, then you are, are heading in a very very dangerous direction and you are moving away from Christ and you are at risk of backsliding and you could lose that salvation. I do believe that. Now, like I said, I don't want to go into the theologies. That's not where I want to aim. I just want to kind of expound on what my understanding of that particular verse is. To work it out means every day this is an onward progress of God, how can I, how can I live for you? How can I live a life that is pleasing to you what do I need to adjust we should always be coming before God and say God search me what is in me what needs to adjust what needs to change we're not trying to earn it we don't earn salvation okay it's a free gift from God okay that is a heart matter but 
the walk of this Christian walk, walking it out, okay, is a day-by-day thing that we have to do. And there's going to be a lot of challenges along the way. Also, where it says, with fear and trembling, well, I'm sure most of you know, the fear is not being in, I'm afraid of God because he's a good God. Well, you shouldn't be afraid of God, but there should be a reverence for God. And we should never get to a place where we take our salvation so kind of like complacency, like, oh, I was saved 20 years ago. I'm good with God. You know, I know that I've got my place in heaven. I know that my name is written in the book of life. We should never get to that place where salvation has become just so kind of so, um, no longer sacred to us. You know, we don't no longer represent, no longer respect the cost of what it took for us to be able to be given that free gift. And um, so we treat it with such a reverence. And I'm reminded of in the book of Isaiah when he talks about seeing the glory of God and, and so many other instances in the Bible where people have come face to face with God and the awe of him has caused them such a reverence, fear, not fear like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be near you, but fear of, oh my gosh, you are so holy. You are so magnificent. I, you know, just standing in your presence, that, that kind of reverence. And that's what that I believe it is referring to when it says fear and trembling, trembling, you know, God, you are so magnificent. You are so awesome. You know, I, I, I just count it an honor to be called your child. I count it an honor that you would, that you would love me enough, that you would consider me worthy enough, that you would die for me. So that's what I believe that is referring to. So we go on in verse 13, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his is good purpose. And that is so, so encouraging to me. You know, when I read that verse and as, you know, as I was looking, you know, studying for these, for for this particular study today, I'm so encouraged by it. God is working in you, in me. He's working in us. You know what that is basically saying? God is doing, is constantly at work in us. You know, from the time we have given our life to him, he is at work in us. And no matter what we are dealing with, no matter what it looks like or what it feels like, we may be having a really challenging day, a really tough day. We may feel like we've really messed up, but God is working in us and he enables us to both desire and to work out his good purpose. So even when everything in us is fighting against it, our flesh, the devil is fighting against it. God is working inside of us. So we will desire and we'll be able to work out his own good purpose. Hallelujah. That to me is just so encouraging and exhilarating. And I hope that you are blessed by it as I was blessed. So it then goes on to say, so do everything without grumbling and arguing. And that's really powerful to me because you may look at that and think, oh gosh, now this is where it gets difficult because, you know, Lord, life is, is tough and I just find myself grumbling so much, um, you know, and, you know, I, I just don't know how, I'm, how I can do this. And, you know, I feel that this is why some people, when they look at Christian, the Christian walk, they think, I can't do it. I can't live up to it. It's too much. But that's why I feel it's really important to study the word of God for yourself 
and not to always take things just so literally or based on what your understanding of it is. And one of the things that I do, I like to look up the definition of a word. So when it said grumble, I said, okay, let me look up what the word grumbling means. And what grumbling, the the dictionary says grumbling is, is the action or fact of complaining in a bad tempered way. So what that tells me is it's not complaining. It means you're complaining in a bad tempered way. And I'm breaking this down because I'm hoping that it's going to take away any condemnation that some people may be feeling that they're guilty of doing something, sinning against God, when maybe they're not. For example, I go into a store, I purchase an item. Say I purchase an item of clothing. I come home, I find that there's a rip in it there's a tear in it. I take it back to the store and I say, I didn't realize when I purchased this, but it has this tear in it. And they say, well, I'm sorry, we can't refund your money. Um, We can't even give you a store credit. You know, I'm sorry, we can't help you. I am not happy with the, you know, their answer. So I asked to speak to the store manager. Am I complaining? Yes. What does complain mean? To express dissatisfaction or annoyance about something. I am not happy with, you know, your answer. I do not accept that. Can I please come speak to the manager? I want to make a complaint. Now, have I sinned? Of course I haven't. That is completely within my rights. I believe that God has no issue with that. As long as I don't do it in a disrespectful or dishonoring way to God. So what would that be? When I speak to that manager, my whole attitude, am I screaming? Am I shouting? Am I being offensive? Am I being rude? Then if I'm doing that, then of course I'm grumbling. If I go home and I'm telling everybody about it and I'm calling the manager names and I'm calling the place, the store names, then I'm grumbling. But not, not the act of complaining. And arguing, we know. Again, let's look at what it means to argue. Because again, some people might say, well, I, 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 I'm guilty of arguing. Well, what does arguing mean? So let's look it up. It, there's, diff- there's different meanings. Let's give you the first one. To give reasons or cite evidence in support of an idea, action or theory, typically with the aim of persuading others to share one's view. That's one of the the definitions. The other definition, which is the one I believe that the Bible is referring to, is to exchange or express diverging or opposite views, typically in a heated or angry way. What God is saying, of course, there's going to be times when we are not going to agree with someone and we will argue a point. That's what apologetics do. People that defend the word of Christ, they argue the case of Christ. They argue why they believe the word is is true, why they stand and, you know, why they support the word of God. But it's the way in which we do it that can be classified as sin. If we are doing it in a way that's heated or angry, then, of course, it's displeasing to God. So I wanted to elaborate on that because I didn't want people to take it at face value. So that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are thoughtless in a crooked and perverted generation. Well, when I read that, I said, wow, Lord, if we're not living in a perverted generation right now, I mean, again, I want to just elaborate on what the word perverted means so then we can really all be of the same understanding. Perverted, it's of a person or their actions. This is one of the definitions. 
um, characterized by sexually abnormal and unacceptable practices or tendencies or of a thing having been corrupted or distorted from its original course, meaning or state. I mean, that is so what we see in the world today, where people have taken the things of God and perverted it to suit their own desires, their own wants, you know, and, um, and then, and you know, because they feel it, because they like it, because they think it's okay, that's, they, you know, it's okay, it's acceptable, and then they expect us as Christians to feel that. Now, there are some things that we have to abide by because it's the law, but at the same point, we don't have to agree with it. We may have to abide by it, but we don't have to agree with it. And what God is saying, you know, that we have to be very careful that we are blameless, that we are pure in in the corrupt and perverse world that we're living in. And, you know, we're in 2020 right now and we are seeing this so, so much. I mean, the world has always had perverseness and crookedness in it. But I feel that it's getting to a place where it's become so socially acceptable. In fact, if you stand against it, you now seem to be um, at fear of being attacked because you are not going with the flow with everybody else. So God is saying, you know, no, you do not. You're not of this world, okay? You're in it, you're living it, but you're not of it, okay? So you do not um, go along with what everyone else is saying. You stand blameless and you stand pure before me, okay? I apologize for that noise. <laughs> My glasses fell off. <laughs> so, so it goes on to say, among whom you shine like stars in the world. And that is such a beautiful um, image. If you think of stars, okay, stars only shine when it's dark outside. And so if we use the analogy of the world being darkness, because they are, they're blinded to the truth of God, okay, us who know God, who have a relationship with God, we are meant to shine in that dark world. And if you think of every Christian shining, if every Christian was to shine, how much light we bring into this world. Isn't that, to me, that is just such a beautiful, just a beautiful image. Just if you just imagine, everywhere you look, there's darkness, but then the Christian walks in and there's light. That's how we represent Christ. So it goes on in verse 16, hold firmly to the message of life, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run on labor for nothing. Well, what is the message of life? The word of God is a message of life. The gospel of Christ is a message of life. And what does he tell us? Don't just, don't live a life where you're just kind of like just skimming by or, you know, you're just doing a little daily, daily two-second devotion and, you know, you're, you're going to church on Sundays, but you're not really holding firmly to it. Holding firmly, what does that mean? You know, when you're dealing with the the challenges and the struggles of life, when everything looks like it's going the wrong way, are you holding firm unto what the Word of God says? Are you holding firm unto the promises of God? Are you allowing the cares of this life to just sway you? You know, as 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 Christians, we're we're to hold on to the message of God. We are to hold on to the scriptures. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like. And then there's gonna come a day where we're gonna say, you know what? 
despite everything I went through, despite what the doctor said, despite what my bank account said, despite what it felt like, despite what they did to me, God, I didn't sin against you. I held firmly onto your word. I stood on the word of truth. And it wasn't for nothing. At the end, I was able to see God. You came through. It wasn't for nothing. Verse 17, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering of the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. And so what Paul is saying here, listen, even if I have to go through some real serious trials, if it feels like I've given my all, Like everything I have, I've given it to God. And it's been really difficult and really challenging. Even if that is my testimony. I will be glad and I will rejoice. Because of my faith. I'm not going to allow what I go through to stop me rejoicing in God. To stop me hoping and believing in the word of God. I'm going to get through these struggles. I'm going to get through these challenges with a positive attitude. With a positive mindset. And so should all of us. You should do it with me. So you know, when I go to that fellow brother or sister in Christ with my problems. I'm expecting when I'm looking at this diagnosis that I've been given or when I'm looking at the situation that I'm in or, you know, my marital issues, I'm expecting, as I look to God and I stand on the word of God, I'm expecting you to do it with me. I'm expecting you to encourage me. And if my faith is weak, I'm expecting you to strengthen my faith with yours. Iron sharpening iron. And I just find that really encouraging because it's so easy to get so burdened down by the cares of this world. And it's so difficult sometimes when we're going through the struggle to rejoice, to even look at any, see anything positive in it. But that's why it's so important to stay grounded in the word of God. And especially when we're dealing with difficult situations, to, to really stand on those, those scriptures that are really giving us hope and encouragement. And to be around others who also are doing the same. So that they can sharpen us in those times when we feel just, we feel like we even don't even have the strength to pray. That they can lift us up in prayer. That they can encourage us with the word of God. Because that is where we get our strength from. That is where we get our hope from. And always knowing that God is working inside of us, enabling us to fulfill his desire and his purpose for our life. So I hope that you were encouraged by these verses today. And I hope that you will continue to read the book of Philippians and and get more from it for yourself. And please share this podcast with someone who needs that encouragement too. And I just like to end this podcast with just a very quick word of prayer. As we've studied the word, we're going to seal it in prayer. So I hope you'll join with me. 
Dear God, I just thank you for your word today, God. I thank you for how it ministered to us. I thank you for all that you have shown us and revealed. And I thank you, Father God, that even in those times when we may feel, God, that we are struggling or we don't know what to do, you are working inside of us, God, enabling us to both desire and to work out your good purpose, Father God. I thank you, God, that you will strengthen us, that no matter what we're dealing with, we won't deal with it in a way that we're grumbling or arguing, but we will do it in a way that honors you and glorifies you. And Father, I pray that we will be those stars that will shine brightly in a dark world, wherever we go, when we go into our workplaces, at home, at church, whatever, whatever place we are, Father God, supermarkets, we will shine for you as lights, as stars in a dark world. So I thank you, Father God, that you've given us the ability to rejoice and to count it all joy, no matter what we're dealing with, Father God, and that we will be that iron sharpening iron, lifting up our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for all of this, God, and we seal it. And I pray that if there's anybody that is listening to this podcast today that doesn't have a relationship with you, that they will, Father God, just take the time to say, you know what, God, I want to get to know you. And if you are real, Please reveal yourself to me and I know you will be faithful and just to do that because it is your desire that every one of us be saved. I thank you so much, Lord, and we lift you up and seal it in the precious blood of Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. I hope that you were blessed by today's podcast and I hope that you'll share it with someone. Have a great week and tune in for the next podcast. Speak to you soon. Bye for now.